listening to Two Girls, One Podcast, the number one podcast for medical advice. It's a show Dr. Oz once called, quote, a little too sketchy for me, and I'm Dr. fucking Oz. And now here are your unlicensed physician's assistants, Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Hello, everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast, where we interview people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find interesting. Uh, Allie and I are performers. Our background is that we had a live comedy show where we used the internet as our script. We got to meet some people behind the post. We created a web series eventually called Two Girls, One Show, where we interviewed those people and went on some fun scripted adventures. And now we're focusing on the interviews. That honestly is the best part. And we're doing it with Matt Silverman, who is also here. Welcome, everyone. How are you both doing? I'm good. I'm good. I thought you were going to say yeah. he was the best part. I don't know why. I just thought that's where it was going. <laughs> that might be the best uh, part. Some people no. would say that. <laughs> Guys, I want you to know that I'm on fire today. I've slept like five nights in a row. I don't know. What's Ooh. going on? Whoa, five. Slow clap, slow clap. I know, I know. If I, if I can make it to seven, it's a record for the past year. Um, All right. But do you really not know what's going on or any indication of what's different? Because we need uh, to bottle it, whatever it is. Yeah. We need to bottle yeah. it. Now, you know what? I think I should not talk about it. I talk about it too much. I'm just going to see if this one, I'm just going to ride this out. Just going to ride this out. All right. um, let's talk about more serious illnesses, which is the subject of today's episode. <laughs> oh, Take goodness. it away, Jen. Just, just a list of illnesses that uh-huh. we're about to read on Wikipedia. Yeah, That's the show. I should Stick not, around. I should not joke about that because actually what we're looking at today is significantly more serious than insomnia. <laughs> oh, but we're going to have fun with it. We'll tell you in a minute. Okay. So we're speaking with Caleb Rickson, the founder of Genius Network, which is a platform for people who have survived strokes. And Caleb himself uh, survived a stroke, I believe at the age of 24. And it was very serious, which we'll hear about from him. And now he is providing a place for people to connect with one another, also to find more information. He does talks, he creates videos, um, but also just is uh, bringing people together over who have survived strokes and you know getting them to interact with one another. So he's incredible. We're really excited to talk with him. It can also be other uh, traumas, but I do. I think it is primarily stroke victims or stroke survivors, I should say. Um, but it's kind of amazing, right? Cause especially if you're so young, if you have a stroke, you really don't know anyone else who has been through that. And so he's yeah. created a network where people could find each other. Right. And I would just like to say that this episode is dedicated to two people. You guys don't know this, okay. Well, you know, some of this, um, shout out to my friend, David Fryman, who I've known since I was a freshman in high school who had a stroke at, I was 30. So I guess he was 32. This is where he interrupts me and lets me know I had two strokes, Allie. That's right. (laughs) David had two strokes at 32 because he's a winner. Why stop at one? Um, I'd also like to give out a shout out to his wife, Anna, who had to care for their newborn and a husband who had a stroke. That was a really great time in her life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, they came to visit me in LA over the holidays. It was great. So this is for them. And then also, unfortunately, I have another friend who had a stroke over this past holiday. I 
do not know yet if he would want to be named. And so I will not name him, um, but I will play this for him later. And we are all thinking of you. And I hope that he checks out this network and is inspired by a lot of the stories because he has a long road ahead. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I can't say that I know anyone under the age of maybe like 60 who I personally know who's had a stroke. Yeah, totally. Um, But those stories really blow me away. And it's really scary. And it's great that there's a network for it out there. So I really look forward to hearing more from Caleb about it. Well, I just wanted to pile some good news on here and let you guys know that Caleb is from Australia. So we can also ask him about the world burning. Oh, Allie. <laughs> oh, you thought I was going to say something good. Nope. The world is burning. <laughs> now, look, I, I know I know it's a rough time in Australia right now. Our hearts go out to everyone there. But also really hard for me trying to schedule a time to talk with Caleb because he's literally talking. He's about to talk to us from tomorrow. That's how far away he is. In the he is. So... Think, uh, you know, Australia is fine, but think of me and my inbox when, when we uh, get into this <laughs> interview, okay? Just That's thanks, guys. so hard. Thoughts oh, and prayers. Man. If you don't mind. Shout out to Caleb, who is speaking with us. Uh, it is 8 a.m. his Saturday morning. Yes. I would not have agreed to Bless that. Bless him. I don't know why he did. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do it, That's Caleb. That's what's happening. Well, you're a good man. We look forward to meeting you soon. Yeah, you should keep sleeping. Oh, my God, he's having, the- he could sleep and he chooses not to. Crazy. Exactly. <laughs> I do want to let you know that. I was telling our friend Adam about, oh, yeah, Jen's dating someone. His name's Adam. He's incredible. He's this. He's that. And so the other Adam said that he thinks he might be a serial killer. That story was really confusing because there are two Adams. (laughs) Wait, what? Wait. Who's this? Who's the serial killer in this scenario? Uh, Jen's boyfriend. <laughs> because he's so nice. Because, why? Because he's like nice and yeah. Because I was like, out? he's perfect. He's great. I'm really happy for her. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> he was like, there's got to be something wrong. He's probably a serial killer. Oh, so yeah, all right. Fair. Well, I hope that's not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not like he disguises his voice he took you and on a like you know. Vacation. Yeah, we, we did go on a surprise oh, really? vacation last weekend to a tiny cabin in the Catskills. And when we got there, he called it a micro cabin. And that those were his own words. But somehow I latched onto that. Like I thought that's what what it was actually called. And I kept texting like my family and being like, we're in a micro cabin in the woods. Like I thought it was in the know with this new lingo. But uh, I don't think it's actually called a micro like cabin. A it's a tiny house. You can hit that's, it to a car. Uh, it was so freaking okay. cool. It's called Getaway. It's a startup. I'm sure you've all seen it yeah. on your social media out there. Um, but very much worth it. Uh, no, we, we, we get different <laughs> targeting. targeting? Yeah. The ads get that get you are different. Yeah. I, I don't see any of the you outdoors. You have two tiny people in your house. Get. This tiny house would That's be good for them. It's a perfect size for them. <laughs> no, no. They need to roam free. It's free, free range. range uh, yeah. Child yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Cool. All organic, yeah. no yeah. GMOs. That's nice. Question was, was there a brewery inside the <laughs> micro cabin? And might you then say it was a microbrewery? I like where you're going with this, but no. Um, what? Did you did you drink beer in All the right, micro cabin? Because then you could say it was a micro brewery. Because who's to say that a micro brewery isn't just drinking beers in a micro cabin? That's what I, I'm saying. I like that's, where you're going with this, but that's, that's not what we did. But <laughs> next time, I think it's a great idea. Um, <laughs> what's that beauty process called? Like, we're, isn't it like micro? What? 
Oh, never mind. Cut this out. What? I don't know. Oh, micro needling. Micro needling. Yeah, we did a lot of <laughs> micro needling over the weekend. Oh yeah, I've been trying that. Oh, I've been what trying. is that? It's when um. What is that? It's when you stab your face with a thousand tiny needles. Yeah. My serial killer boyfriend uh, stabbed my face <laughs> with a tiny thousand needles. Yeah, that's, that's how he gets it. Listen, I do uh-huh. it right, to right, myself. Right. I don't know if it's doing anything. Um, my friend swears by it. Out of nowhere, your boyfriend is like, hey, let me uh, spirit you away to a cabin deep in the woods where no one will find us and <laughs> I will stab you in the face with needles. Like, that seems, there's yes, a lot so there the other that Adam I would was question. Right. right. I got micro-needled. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, better than micro-dicked. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, what about this trivia? Yeah. Let's get this out of the way. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, we got some trivia here. Now, look, look, I, I, I certainly did not want to uh, have some fun trivia about a serious uh, medical conditions like strokes. That's not fun or or. or so you good. did it about weird medical conditions? No, no, just What's did it about uh, Australia. Uh, shout out to Australia, where our guest is from, uh, Melbourne, I believe. And I have some trivia about that town where our guest is based uh, in 2018. A YouTuber who does urban exploring, as our previous uh, episode and guest has uh, talked about, uh, some urban exploring in Australia. Uh, They discovered an abandoned wildlife park about an hour outside of Melbourne. He made a remarkable discovery inside the park that drove his video to 14 million views and led many other curious explorers from the area and around the world to the location. It also drew a lot of vandals to the location. Uh, the abandoned park has since been trashed by uh, thanks to the virality of this video. But the question of the day is, what did this YouTuber discover at this abandoned park? I have three choices. A, the answer that I always pick. Yes. No bias. A, a dead 13-foot great white shark preserved in a huge vat of formaldehyde. B, a notebook from a disgraced politician that the Australian Federal Police, that's like the FBI of Australia, they have been searching for that notebook for decades. This guy found it at an abandoned park. Or C, a mass grave of frogs and crocodiles, which are constantly drawn to a weird single location, never leave, and then starve to death, and nobody knows why. This is all so weird and gross. I'm going to go with C because I want to. She wants to believe. I know we're supposed to diversify the portfolio. If you listen to Mike Merrill's episode, that's what we learned oh, there. Oh, I invested in Mike um, Merrill. We can talk about that later. Yes, I was, yes, I yes. wanted to ask I you did. about that. Um, but I'm I'm leaning towards C as no, well. Choose, choose B. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll choose <laughs> B. I'm choosing B. Disgraced politician. You're, it's my last choice, but I want to diversify. You're not going with your gut. You're letting others make decisions Listen, for you. A topic sometimes. we discussed on the Mike Merrill episode. Okay. okay. All right. We will find out the correct mysterious answer after this commercial break. And now, a real advertisement entitled Samsung Television. You cannot turn this TV down. $5 from the website rated number one for loudest electronics, Craigslist. I have this Samsung television! 
The color and picture are fantastic. Never an issue. And it's a bit older, but it's 13 inches. The bad. The volume on the TV is stuck on full blast and it's incredibly loud. This is a television you literally can't turn down. Oh my god, I'm so sensitive to TVs being on. Like, uh, it could be like in the other room and I'm in somebody's place. And if I'm trying to talk to them, I'll be like, uh, can we turn down the TV? <laughs> that was the oh, most I'm annoying the ad way. I've ever seen. <laughs> 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 Why did you let that person on our show, Matt? Question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Question. Before yes. flat screen TVs, LCD TVs, when back in the day when, there, when we had tube TVs, which were the larger, big fat ones, and monitors... I could always, as a kid, sense when a TV came on. There was some frequency or pitch that that happens. Yes, I can't in the hear it anymore. But yes, room. I used to be able to it, hear it because it's no longer part of totally. But because those have been those technologies are phased out. But like some people have that and some people don't, and it's it's you know it's superpower that that we share. Wait, 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 wait. no. Um, as you get older, your ear can't hear those frequencies. Yeah, I wonder if that's part of it too. Yeah, there's a YouTube video that says if you're 20, you can hear this. If you're 30, you can't. And like, based on your age, you hear the noise drop out. And then students play the noise in their classroom and freak out teachers because only you know certain people can no, hear it. No, it's only young that's people can hear it. Prank. It's actually that the old people can't hear things. Right, right. right. <laughs> I'm not sure I understand. So, like, so you'd a be teacher in a different could room? fuck with the students and play something super high pitch, and all may- the students maybe, can hear. Maybe, maybe. So are you saying that you could be in a different room and you would be able to hear the sound? Correct. Got it. Okay. Unrelated to the audio of the television. Like I wouldn't be hearing the program. I'd be hearing some some electronic in the device like, like, bing, like, you know, turning yeah. on, activating. I don't know. And, and would you like, uh, would it, uh, would it uh, cause a visceral reaction in you? It didn't bother me. I don't know if, if you felt the same way, Allie. Like, I'm very sensitive to sound, certain sounds, but this, I don't recall this being a negative sound. It was just like, oh, someone's watching TV. I, I know that to be true. You know what I mean? It was like a, a, a spidey sense. Cool. Yeah. I don't remember it being annoying. I just remember being able to hear that, and now I can't, which you claim is the technology, but we have to speak to a young person to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I did not have that superpower, but I did used to think that I could see like the little particles that things were made up of. <laughs> like, like, I'd be like staring like at atoms? the Yeah, like atoms. I'd be like, oh yeah, like I'd squint my eyes a little bit. I, I was just squinting. But like when I was really little, I was always like, oh cool. That's like, I can see. I, I didn't even know to call them atoms. I was like, yeah, the little particles. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. yeah. Might have been that's a superpower. Awesome. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know if you could see atoms or not. It's, uh, it's just We've grown out of our superpowers. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> cool. Hi. I think it's time for trivia. Who wants the trivia answer? Here it comes. Uh, in 2018, a YouTuber crept into an abandoned wildlife park and made a fairly shocking discovery that led to 14 million YouTube views and a lot of vandals coming in and, and uh, fucking up the place. What did he discover uh, outside of Melbourne, where our guest is uh, based today? Was it A, a dead 13-foot great white shark preserved in formaldehyde? B, a notebook from a disgraced politician that the authorities had been searching for for a long time? Or C, a mass grave of frogs and crocodiles that nobody knows 
what the heck is up with? Uh, Jen, you diversified. You went with B, the notebook. Correct. I forced her into it, but she did it. She did, but I'm she happy forced we her. did it. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> it's not Stockholm. Okay. <laughs> the correct answer is A, the choice that I always pick. Uh, it's always A, Damn guys, it. statistically speaking. I really Why didn't did I that listen to Allie. This? Yeah. Uh, well, you weren't going to choose A. You were just going to choose C. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, man. yeah. We I mean, technically, and we still didn't win. yeah, but your odds—the odds were in your favor. <laughs> so, what the hell happened with this shark? Uh, this was an article in Vice, uh, Vice Australia, I guess. Uh, the author became aware of this viral video and then was local in Australia, so she went down to check it out. And so, it, apparently, the history here is that uh, it was a great white shark caught in 1998, and it. The write-up makes it seem like this animal was caught and it was not caught to be captured alive or or put in an aquarium. It was caught and killed at some point, but was intended to be preserved as part of like a Victorian ecotourism center uh, about seals or something. So maybe it was like, here's a museum about seals and here's what a great white shark looks like and check it out up close. But it was it was always dead. That tourist center fell into disrepair and then another uh, entity inherited it. But there are, are lots of laws and government regulations about how to keep wildlife and dead animals. And so the, this dead great white shark changed hands so many times and then at some point ended up in this wildlife preserve and they just didn't know what to do with it. And at the time when they abandoned the park, they were like, we don't fucking know. Like we have a, a dead a dead great white shark that we can't afford to move or like re- legally, uh, you know, take care of. So I guess we'll just leave it here. And so like a decade later, this guy stumbles in and sees it. And it's it's a creepy video because it's it's a classic urban explorer video that we've uh, watched, you know, for our previous episodes where he's just kind of moving through the space, checking it out. Oh, you know, here's a fridge. Here's a here's an office. Oh, this thing's all dilapidated and then walks in and it's a tank of green liquid. And it's like and it's like smells funky and it's like what the fuck is this and like he gets closer and the light changes and you just see like this gaping maw of teeth inside the tank and it's just fucking it's all there it's not decayed it's perfectly preserved huge shark uh just sitting there and people are people are obsessed with this thing so much so that they like track it down Track it down. Isn't it just sitting there? Yeah, but they track down like, where is this place located? Can I go and see it myself? And of course, people being shitheads, like they have ripped the top of the tank off. Oh, no. They have like hammered at the glass to like try to puncture holes. And I think it's become like a health risk because formaldehyde is not good. Like you can't be around that stuff if it's leaking. So it's just like this contaminant, like this big giant tub of contamination with a dead shark in it and no one knows what the fuck to do with it and 14 million views on youtube oh, i found that wild oh my god there are several elements of that that were upsetting <laughs> i agree mm. i mean the teeth really got me <laughs> but also just the fact that it's there yeah. and those other options you gave for trivia today i'm just gonna have nightmares for weeks matt what's what yes. the fuck is mm-hmm. wrong with you matt that you came up with those other yeah, options? what's wrong with your you brain you came up with a mass grave <laughs> situation on your own yeah man it's a Frog good thing we have miles between us. That's why they pay me the big bucks to uh, to produce this content. <gasps> Hashtag content. Well, great. We can All only right. go up from here. Speaking of content. So, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of content. What? 
Get we got some interview. for you. It's time. It is time, everyone. We are delighted to have with us the founder of Genius Network, Caleb Rickson. Welcome, Caleb. Hey, thank you for having me. We're delighted. Hey, Caleb. Hello. So we're excited to talk to you about strokes and also Australia burning. This is yes. a real yeah. upper of an episode. Yeah, I yeah. know. How are you doing like, over there? Good. Yeah. So I'm in Melbourne, which is... Um, it's it's not too far from where all the fires are, which is you know just start on an upper. But we've actually got a really clear day today, so I'm I'm like more city bound, so I'm not near, um, you know where all the burning is. But what we've been having is like big sort of plumes of smoke, which has been really really full on in terms of like air pollution and stuff. But it's a really clear day today. So it's maybe it's you guys. Maybe you're the lucky charm. I hope so. Yeah. We also wanted to ask you, yeah, how's the future? Because, you know, for us, it's yesterday. So, it's, it's, uh, oh my God, guys, <laughs> yesterday was so yesterday. Um, no. <laughs> Wait, we're still in it. I know, I know. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, seriously, yeah. eat it up. It's a really good one. Um, <laughs> and and it's summer. It's summer where exactly. you are. We're, we're, summer we're back here. I am too, bitches. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. Okay, anyway. let's get into it. So, let's Caleb, get, we know yep. you've we know you share this a lot, but tell us what the heck happened. What tell us about your story a little bit and how Genius Network came to be. So basically, um, eleven years ago. So I'm 35 now. So when I just turned 24, I graduated from a uni, a university in Australia, a performing arts academy. And I eventually, just not long after that, got my, I guess you would call it kind of like a big break-ish. I got into the national tour of Chicago, the musical. I'd count and that, big break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 so cool. yeah well, you know what I mean. So my, my sort of pre-Cal, <laughs> um, sorry, my, my nickname's Cal, so my friends call me Cal, so you know, feel free oh. to do so, guys. Um, we're your friends? But, okay, cool. Right, we're yeah, moving fast. I like it. I like yeah, it. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I'm escalating this shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about the weather, so now... <laughs> we'll about. Um, basically, I was um, a young dude working out, trying to, you know, I had my agent. I was gearing up for Chicago uh, to just start rehearsals with the company, and then I was working out at the gym, It was like a pump class. I think you probably have some sort of pump class. It's like a cardio, a a very lightweight, bodyweight cardio kind of class. It's like a HIIT training class. Anyway, I was in the middle of one of those in a packed out gym in Sydney. And when I felt a massive explosion behind my left eye and I thought uh, that my eye had fallen out and then over a series of events that lasted for just under 30 minutes um i slowly lost the ability to walk um to to stand to hold my balance to swallow my saliva to swallow water um and eventually to talk and um eventually once the ambulance people put me into the ambulance um, I remember hearing the word aneurysm was sort of just said mm. because I was, um, I mean, by, by this point, um, 
But that was said, I was in the middle of like a, what we would call a thoroughfare, sort of like a hall, I guess, that links two parts of the gyms and they'd had to cordon it off so that I was basically lying down having a, a, a very big seizure, but I was very conscious and very cognizant that shit was going down and I had no idea what the fuck it was. Um, uh, and um, there happened to be a nurse um, an ICU, so or like a critical care nurse um, there. And I remember she got on the phone to the ambulance and I remember hearing the word aneurysm and I was like, hmm, and I was like, that's a bad word. And I know that's not good, but I think she's like talking dribble. Like, I don't, I don't, that is not what's happening. I'm just literally dehydrated because I'm trying to get pee, like shredded for Chicago. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, I was literally like, I'm sure that's it. And I thought, oh, God, I've just pushed it too much, you know, too much cardio, uh-huh. blah, 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 until the ambulance came, loaded me into the ambulance. This is all very, very quick. I remember them turning the sirens on and, and clicking in my face to keep me awake. And the ambulance driver um, sort of like screamed at me, like, stay with me, stay with us. And then I remember hearing the sirens and that was the last thing that I heard. So that was in November of 2008, just three days after I turned 24. And then just before Christmas that year, so about a month and a bit later, I remember looking through very skewed vision um eyesight at at my feet and I was I remember that I was like oh I'm in a a funny like room and I remember looking to my left and my mum was sitting there and she wasn't looking at me she was just sort of sitting there she was doing a crossword and I remember she just looked so chill like she looked so relaxed and I remember thinking this is like a medical kind of environment like I certainly wouldn't have said oh this is a medical environment I just was like oh this is (laughs) this is weird like this is definitely some other place um and I remember trying to sort of put it together and why she looked so relaxed as if she'd just been there for so long you know I didn't have much hair at the time I was majority bald I'd had a major craniotomy um, due to the fact that what had happened to me at the gym um, about a month-ish earlier was that I'd had a major brain hemorrhage due to a rare congenital <laughs> brain abnormality that I had, which we knew fucking no idea about. And, um, I, you know, I could have been loading the dishwasher. Um, I just happened to be, you know, center stage doing a body pump class. And that triggered it to go off and I had to have some life-saving brain surgery to essentially try and uh, make that issue, I guess, not be a life-threatening issue anymore. And then it was the new path for me, which was uh, realizing that I had no ability to speak because I had a paralyzed vocal cord and a paralyzed soft palate or velum. Well, a velum, you call it a velum if you were a professional singer like I was. Um, so I realized, I realized that basically the new trajectory for me was not to be in the front line or the kick line of Chicago doing all that jazz. The jazz I was going to be doing was relearning how to walk and talk and swallow and see and breathe. You know, that was the beginning of probably 
two, it was a bit of two and a half years of rehab. So my whole life trajectory just completely changed. In a way, feels like the blink of an eye. I mean, at the time, it must have felt like forever. Uh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. It was, well, it's, it's really weird when in the experience, only on reflection, and I'm such a fortunate person that I get to, you know, have space where I can share uh, my story a lot. And, and I'm um, where I had my brain injury. It was in my brainstem, which though is harrowingly life-threatening and causes all sorts of complications that I still have, I, my personality and my language um, processing is intact. And, and if anything, it's, it's, it's kind of, it does a lot of work. So I, I, I can tell my story and recall my story and, and use it hopefully, you know, for positive impact. And I've also got that annoying, but good thing of being an actor beforehand. So I wanted to be seen and heard, (laughs) which is a positive. Fucking actors, man. Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not. I, 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 do you know what? I'm like with you. High five. Virtual high five. No. <laughs> so how much were you cognizant of this story in the journey? Were you completely cognizant the whole time? Like you woke up and you realized like, oh my God, I can't talk and I'm going to have to relearn to do this. Or were you kind of in a haze? Like what was that process? It's sort of like because the brain injury was so significant it did take me a bit to figure out that my name's Caleb, well, Cal, um, that I was a performer, what did I do, who was my partner at the time. Like it, it did, I had to rebuild that. But I, I sort of describe it like a, um, it's kind of, <laughs> this is so Gen Y of me, but it's like a desk, it was like a desktop. Like I had all these files on a desktop, like a really busy desktop. And I had to unclick every single file to get all the contents out of every file to then be like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, it's back. I get it. Okay. It's a very gradual thing. Only upon reflection can you sort of surmise the experience. And then from there, Caleb, what happened with your recovery? And ultimately, how did that uh, begin leading to the Genius Network? I feel like the seeds of developing Genius began at that point, though I was not aware that that was what was going on. Basically, because I was uh, mute, I was, you know, nil by mouth. Um, So my entire life was incredibly changed and my future was really had a huge question mark on what the hell is going to happen. I desperately wanted to meet someone else like me and I wanted to hear some sort of stories about people, you know, connect online. Like Facebook was around. But I guess it wasn't rich as, as I guess, in, in community as, as probably what it is today. I desperately wanted to meet people. But on that, what I sort of call like the conveyor belt of sort of like the, the medical model is sort of being passed from doctor to doctor or put in rooms. For me, my brain injury did also mean that I didn't – it took me a while to grasp a constant sense of time and place and actually keep that together. So it was just like essentially a very isolating and disorienting process just seemingly goes on and on with a big question mark at the end. So I knew that I wanted to meet someone else like me, not just for information, but also for inspiration. 
when I did start, I guess, moving through to sort of my ongoing recovery as an outpatient, which is, uh, you know, that's that's definitely a, a better, you've got a great capacity to do things when you're an outpatient. I met a, another young stroke survivor and we went to, I remember she took me to a young stroke survivor support group. And I remember going to this group and I remember um, I remember meeting this group uh, at a train station, at a sort of a notable train station, Flinders Street in, in Melbourne. And I remember us crossing the road to walk to this uh, cafe. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, my God, like we were like um, – what are the, you know, the Marvel characters, the, what are the, you know, the, the, the Avengers. Thank you. Oh my God. You're cool. Yeah. You nailed yeah, it. You're nailed welcome. it. So <laughs> we were like the Avengers. And I remember thinking, this is very unusual. This, this feeling of sort of otherness to society um, amidst the busyness of every, everyone sort of going about their, their day and going to cafes and hanging out where sort of these, you know, I've got a full vestibular dysfunction and, and I used to have a walking stick and an eye patch and then someone else would have crutches and someone else would be in a chair and, you know, there was all sorts of different uh, things that people were using to, you know, to get around and, and be able to sort of navigate society. But I remember thinking it was such, a, it was such an unusual new environment with with no judgment but with a real new observation and then I remember when we started to talk with this young stroke survivor support group I remember the first person said like oh you know hi I'm I'm just going to use other names it's like hi I'm Bob and um I had a carotid artery dissection um four years ago and everyone's like oh hi Bob and then it's like, oh, hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a basal ganglion hemorrhagic stroke, you know, six months ago. And then it's like, oh, hi, Sarah. And then the next person's like, oh, hi, I'm uh, Maurice and I'm uh, a pons ischemic uh, cerebral infarct. Everyone's like, hi, Maurice. Then it got to me and I was like, oh I'm God. Caleb and I had a grade five subarachnoid hemorrhage and I remember just thinking why the hell are we just these symptoms and these like we're just this medical jargon we're not we're not sort of connecting we're not people we're just we're we're reduced to this this new sort of thing and I was like oh this is not supportive this is like really disempowering there was something that was there was a um a real discontent and a disconnect for me socially and a real reduction in in person, like our personhood, it wasn't there. I wanted to continue being like, oh, I'm Cal, you know, I'm I'm Cal, I'm going to continue. And even though I can't, you know, I'm, I've I've got a vestibular dysfunction and I've got left sided weakness and half a face that doesn't work, and I can't swallow my saliva very well. I'm not going to be in the kick line of Chicago because I can't sing, but maybe I'll tell stories in a different way. And so I actually went to film school and learnt how to essentially tell stories um but really as a selfish young filmmaker they were really just stories about me but covered with other characters <laughs> I wanted to I learned how to tell stories on screen and I had an epiphany where I realized that I wasn't the only fancy pants person that should be able to tell 
their story on screen um, that actually the tools I was learning uh, could actually be translated to a community of people who are uniquely voiceless in our society who desperately need to connect through story and not symptom. And so that was the beginning of creating a community that has a story sharing platform to empower people to become emotionally resilient. <laughs> I love story, not symptom. Yeah. 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 It's a good logline. <laughs> so you launched the network and then how did you even just find, because, you know, I imagine it is so rare. So how did you find other people? Like, how'd you get the world word out? Well, this is the, it's so crazy that you say, like, I, I totally agree with you in the sense that I felt like this is so rare, this is so rare. And then you look up in the literature and yes, percentage wise in the world, um, a young stroke survivor is uh, more rare. Certainly it's only really 20% of the stroke survivor population, but we're talking about an increasing population that is growing due to so many different reasons. Um, you know, completely unpreventable reasons like mine, whether it could be, you know, there's people who have in our community who have headbutted a soccer ball <laughs> from Canada and, you know, had a carotid artery dissection. Um, there's people who have been on the pill who have ended up having a stroke because of different blood clotting things. Um, so the, yeah, the risk factors and, and typical sort of trigger factors for having the type of brain event that I have had and other people have had is rare, but basically what I did, um, was I knew that connecting via the medical model to find people wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew that this was a social, uh, this was coming through a social lens. So I actually, through the mentorship of my father, who is a businessman himself, I haven't got a business bone in my body. Oh, actually, I probably shouldn't say, cut that. No, no, you can keep it. Um, I, <laughs> no, I, I would not have said at all that I have a business bone in my body. I didn't come from this like that. Initially, it started that it was called Genius Initiative and I just wanted to start to create a safe space where people could connect through story and, as I said, yeah, not statistic and not symptom and and feel heard and, and it to be sexy. I just was like, I am done with this reductive blah, blah, blah. Like it's so not sexy and not kind of cool and, and othering to have some sort of acquired, you, you know, acquired disability or acquired difference. And I wanted to lift that shame. So I actually reached out to some people in a group. I actually just started through Facebook. Honestly, I started connecting with people. I was making a documentary and I, <laughs> I'm just one of these people that's like, I'm just going to do shit. So I was, I interviewed all these young survivors from the U S from the UK, Canada, uh, France. But I wanted to see if when we recorded, if we would connect about the same sorts of things and if it would be about, you know, through story and it wouldn't be kind of about symptom I just knew that I wanted to sort of create this space or create this dialogue really and I thought you know I'm going to be able to share a bit of my story and 
Um, that's going to hopefully trigger people to share their stories and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to turn it into this video and then we're going to make this documentary. And I remember I was interviewing, as I said, people from all over the States and all over the world. And I was like waiting for my moment to share bits of my story (laughs) and no one was asking me much about my story because everyone wanted to share their story. And I was like, oh, everyone has a story. And if you just create a safe space where people can can come through that social lens and connect through story sharing, maybe there's something really sort of magical here that that equals greater connection and greater empowerment in life. And so basically that really was the birthplace of genius, was connecting with I think it was eight eight people and they weren't just um, peeps who have had stroke or brain injury. It's a, it was actually, um, there was, it was, it's quite a rich group of people who'd survived uh, spinal cord injury and, um, you know, really severe motorbike accident. So people had had an acquired injury, I guess that was the, that was a combining factor, but it, I wanted to also see if thematically when we talk, if, stuff would come up that would be similar as a, and as opposed to sort of if the medical thing would hold us back and it was completely right we we talked about all the same shit it was all about identity it was all about relationships it was all about connection it was all about making it a bit sassy well at least i try and make everything a bit sassy um, because otherwise it's boring. And, <laughs> and so I guess from reaching out to those people, um, I made a little video. I put that on the internet, on the interwebs, um, started, a, it started as a chat thread. Then because we were sharing so much, I started a group again, under the advice of my dad. And I started this group because I'd been moderating for another young stroke survivor group sort of a global one on Facebook, just been helping out with some people. And that really was the birthplace. Um, I can tell you more about then what sort of has been happening over the last three, three and a half years. Yeah, yeah go like, on. <laughs> yeah, I don't, we have no questions. Keep okay, going. Cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like I come from, I guess, this vantage point with having my stroke, right, which when I was saying before about like where my stroke was, it didn't affect my personality and it didn't affect my, um, well, it did initially affect my information processing ability. So the speed in which I process information was very reduced. And so it almost, I was almost Dory, if you can imagine, like I, you know, I was very fishbowl memory, but I still could, uh, I still had the same ambition, the same drive that, sort of tenacity still existed within me. And so I could tap into that for my own recovery. And that, I guess, made me sort of, uh, again, in sort of partnership and collaboration with my dad go, well, it's, I might have this um, want to be seen and this ability to communicate, though in the beginning, you know, I sort of sounded like I sort of, when I started to talk, I, I actually sounded like that for a very long time. So I had this very, um, you know, that wasn't just a physical barrier. That was like such an emotional barrier. And hearing my voice like that when I'd just been a professional singer was 
absolutely traumatic. Um, but what I was, what I realized was that people want to connect through story but sometimes when we come from a place of real reduction or fear uh you know and and feeling really othered we we might we need some some sort of guides and and some encouragement to to figure out how to share our stories and so I started to create little programs (laughs) of different steps of how to share your story and how to sort of I guess, navigate that in a way that would not just isolate someone into their injury either. It would also open the gate to what are your desires? What are your wants? Um, what are your, you know, in the medical world, you call it your goals, but it's like, what's your ambition? You know, come on, sassy pants. What do you want to do in life? Um, <laughs> what are you into kind of stuff? Because for me, I wanted to talk about, <laughs> to be honest, I remember I, was, I went through a big breakup with that person uh, that I was talking about. And, and I remember I was like, how do you date? Like, and how do I sell this online? Like, I was like, holy shit. Like, what do I do? Like, I, it's going to be a bit orcs, like trying to tell people online that, you know, I don't necessarily want to be like, I've had a stroke, but I'm, I'm literally going through like this massive neurological recovery of like, Oh guys, I'm just like working on my swallowing disorder. Like that's not a really easy selling point. So it was like, <laughs> Um, I wanted to figure out how to tell my narrative. And so by sort of figuring out ways to do it myself, I then translated those and, and I'm still translating those into steps and programs to give other people the platform to use their own voice, whether that be verbal or nonverbal to connect with other people like them. Okay. I have so many questions, but I think we should move to the different elements of your site and community. And I've seen that you're active on social media as well for the Genius Network. There's yeah. a Facebook page. So I was wondering if you could just tell us all the different parts. As, as an organization, I would describe us definitely as a startup very early. Um, uh, though our community is really rich, we we are really poor. Um, no, the community is so rich with narrative, uh, but we, from an organization point of view, are really at an early stage. But we have a website. So our website is geniusnetwork.com, and that's spelt like Gen Y Us Network.com. Oh, yeah. Is it, is it wrong that I didn't get that at all? <laughs> Sometimes I omit that from, from the narrative. Um, only for in the beginning, I, as I said, when I was in that bed and, 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 you know, when I was in my wheelchair and desperately wanted to meet someone and I was like, I, but I want them to be young, but you know, I'm Gen Y and I'm like, I want them to be young. And I remember thinking very early on, I want to like connect like Gen Y people. Like I just want like Gen Y survivors. And then I remember thinking, I just need something to bring it together. Like something to like unite everyone. And then I was like, Gen Y united survivor mm. network and then it was like genius so that was that was honestly the the beginning of i guess the genesis of genius um but the way that i guess people uh come into us at the moment in our early stage is via social media largely like the vast 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 majority of people are referred to us or just find us we're, we're kind of on all the platforms, but our pr- predominant connection point is on Facebook um, because of the, I guess, the ability for people to see each other was so important 
for us and to also be able to contribute. This isn't sort of like a space where you're pushed information. This is like a total push-pull. We're not victims here. We're survivors. So it's actually going, how do you create a space where people can connect? So that's through the social lens. That's through Facebook. With no actual attempt at trying to grow, we've now got people from over 56 countries, which is really amazing. And, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens when we actually try and properly grow. Um, So we've got people that connect into our community. They might be via a friend. It might be someone they've met at rehab. It might be via a, a clinician that they're working with. It might be via me um, because I also talk at uh, clinical environments and research events. It also looks like I saw on Facebook you're doing, was it, I couldn't tell if it was like a live chat, but you had a bunch of people together. Oh, cool. Rock on. So it's called Genius Roundtable, I think might be what you're referring to. And basically it's sort of like an interactive video forum around a specific topic led by a mentor within the community. There's multiple ways and multiple different channels that we have a really active sort of participative vlog in our community is um, this an episodic vlog that that I do. It's called Candid with Cal and it's a really safe space where I might uh, be sharing stories of my own but also interviewing people from around me locally right through to around the world like I've I've done some awesome interviews with some people over in um, California and then also people in the UK and then also in France. So it's a way to sort of bring people into a conversation uh, virtually and then allow other people who might be in more remote areas, whether that be in Australia or in the States or anywhere else, to live participate in that discussion as well. I love that you bring, as you've been saying, I mean, it just, just you know, as an outsider, it's true. You're like, you're bringing a lot of like fun. To yeah. This, like- Oh, Dark good. topic. So <laughs> I, like, I watched a video um, where you were interviewing. It was candid with Cal, and you you were interviewing someone about like the weird brain oddities that happen. Oh yeah, um, yeah. unexpected oddities. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> in the same vein of like keeping it light, <laughs> sort of. Totally. Um, no. What are, what are some of the the crazy brain facts that you've learned on this journey? Some of them also like the oddities, as you were saying, like the weird, almost like side effects. Um, that a different brain. Yeah. I'll let you explain that better than I just did. No, that's beautiful. Thanks. There's all sorts of things that our body does, which is just freaking amazing, um, which we don't sort of know about until something points at it and goes, I'm not working. <laughs> that's just what it sounds like. Yeah. So, exactly, exactly, verbatim. But yeah, so I guess for me, I have some interesting things that I still work with in terms of I've got a um, a vestibular dysfunction, which sounds like a fancy word, a fancy phrase, I guess. Um, I think so. It is pretty fancy it's pretty, yeah, as far as phrases it's to, go. It's yeah. totally fancy. Um, so I've got a it's, – it's a central nystagmus. So for any of my nystagmus folks out there that might be listening, I'm with you, don't worry. Um, <laughs> shout out. It's basically – yeah, shout out to my nystagmus peeps. It just basically means that I'm like I've got a permanent sense of vertigo. So for a lot of people, the onset of intense vertigo is – 
you know, so shocking because we've just, your, your brains come from a place of like the status quo is you are even. It understands where you are in space. Your proprioception, I guess we'd call it, would be like, hey, this is the left side and this is the right side. Whereas mine is like, this is the right side. And I think this is the left side. Like it's sort of, it's, it's sort also of. Also exactly what it sounds like. Your left side is a Muppet. Yeah, my, exactly. My left side is like the Elmo's understudy. You know what? It's adorable. Elmo's adorable. Thank God. Um, but I'm not a ginge. But anyway, um, this isn't kind this is probably a little bit more medical than I think what you were asking. Sorry, I've probably gone down the wrong path, which is. There's, there's really so many different paths of how our brain processes different things. And so it does lead to some very unexpected things, even down to like swallowing. Like I can't swallow broth. <laughs> so for some reason, like it's just like, it's just like, like specifically, specifically broth. broth. Like it's just like, nah, my brain's uh-huh. like, nah, nah, not on the menu. <laughs> this combo. Yeah, yeah no. I saw that in the video. Yeah. And, and, then, and then your friend's face itches or itches, something. Itches, yeah. She, right? And she itches and then she's like does this weird sneezy thing and I do this weird thing where if I bang my shin, it's like I, my throat contracts and I cough. So weird shit happens when you have a brain injury but also – weird shit just happens to all of us and it just happens in our lives. We're all just weird. Um, we're all weird flesh bags walking around <laughs> masquerading as if we're not weird, but we're actually weird. Um, flesh bags is my new favorite term. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all right, but hang yes. on. Have you developed any superpowers as a Have result? Is, are there any like extra special things that are going on with the, with the brain and the body? <sighs> okay. Oh my God. I'm riffing like a mofo, but I reckon... <laughs> Animals like me more. Wow. Because I almost died, I reckon they know. I swear (laughs) to God, they do not. This theory is bonkers, but I love it. Subscribed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, subscribe, and what happened? So, like, before your stroke, dogs were like, "Fuck you," and now they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, how does this work? No, well, cats specifically. Cats are like, "Fuck you, you motherfucker." I mean, cats. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, you don't need that. Cats are like, "I will decide when you are my friend." Dogs, not so much. I feel like they're they're pretty happy go lucky. But it's like it's it's a bit of a even babies uh, for me. It's a weird sense of calm or something you want to not be scratched by a cat have a stroke (laughs) exactly exactly there's something really exhausting about being so aware of every micro movement you do like you know i'm i pretend (laughs) people think that i just like walk around now (laughs) but i'm like guys i'm just like faking it like i'm pretending to be a regular human it's not real but you're pretending to be a regular flesh bag totally totally flesh bagging it i'm just working on using (laughs) flesh bag in a sentence yeah bring it on wait so you're trying to be normal but it still is a lot of effort to walk oh god yeah yeah Uh uh-huh because I've watched lots of videos. You look great. You're adorable. Is that Thank weird you. to say? We also oh have God, similar no, hair. I'm really on. into it. <laughs> oh, rock on. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So you're like a young Diana Ross as well? Well done. Um. <laughs> so Caleb and I actually met through my bestie, Ian. Shout out to Ian. And Ian said, Shout out, you guys Ian. have similar hair. That's what he told me. He was like, you should talk to Caleb. Also, you guys both have great curls. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right, Caleb. Uh, Jen and I have about 15 more questions for you, but we only have time for one. So we want, yes. <laughs> we would love to hear um, for the rest of us what we can do to support 
survivors. And of course, there's a lot of stories that when something traumatic happens, people like disappear from your life um, when actually they should really probably be there. But what can friends and families do to help people heal? Do you know what? It's about creating a safe space. So when I say a safe space, that acronym for genius means a specific affirmative fun and engaging space. So a space where someone feels like they are being uh, heard, they are wanted and, you know, go through narrative, ask questions um, and share bits of your own, be vulnerable with them. Like if you open up that safe space for someone and share a bit of your own narrative, give a clear direction as to what, um, you know, uh, what the intention is. I think that we can just start to create dialogue as opposed to reducing people to just a trauma and sort of go, you know, what do you want? What, where are you at with that? Um, it's about navigating through narrative. All right. On that note, thank you so much, Caleb, for being with us. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Stay sexy. <laughs> I'll try. With those curls, I'm going to try, babe. Well, he well, is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was great. I'm glad that we're making Stroke sexy. Um, That's right. We're all a bunch of flesh bags <laughs> anyway. Let's just accept it. Let's be sexy as in the flesh uh, we're in. <laughs> well, it's interesting too, right? Because when you're, when you're young and you have something like that, you still do. Like you want to be sexy. You know what I mean? Like, you know. And he was at peak he's... sexiness in Chicago as he outlined, you know, so beautifully. Know, so what a contrast. We didn't even get yeah. to ask him. I wanted uh, like, you know, is, uh, is he singing again? You know what I mean? That's just, I like, yeah. that's gotta be. He's so yeah. cool about it, but I just can't imagine how upsetting and traumatic that must have been like to realize what's going on to you and and you're a singer dancer and then and then you're mute like it's just fucking yeah. wild it was also just but, surreal to hear about the experience of it happening in the moment and how conscious he was for the first 30 minutes to an hour it sounds like of you know when he actually yeah, had it happen insane. yeah to like um, know that that's going on to you yeah and then to yeah. just have things kind of go blank and then wake up over a month later and yeah um right well, friends, I don't know how much we're going to edit down, but that was a long interview, so I think we, we got to head out. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> but wait. But yes? wait. I have some communiques from the audience. No. A little segment we like to call... <gasps> I love these! This is Allie, and you've reached two girls, one voicemail. Please leave us a message. Thanks for calling. Hey, this is Clay. Um, I love your podcast. I just listened to the one on um, romance novels, and I was thinking that when I was a teenager, I used to be really into Western. And I would read a lot of Louis L'Amour and a lot of uh, Zane Grey. One in particular I can think of is uh, Writers of the Purple Stage. And those were essentially romance novels, which is really funny, because if you frame them as Western, right, then you'll get male readership. But the truth of the matter is that the main thing going on in the story was this cowboy and this girl, right? Thank you, Clay, for calling in. Uh, speaking That speaks directly to our guest, uh, Sarah, who was like, hey, uh, what genre do you like? Because there's romance in every one. And I totally. thought that was pretty cool. I love what he had to say. romance. Also, this oh. podcast is essentially a romance podcast. It's like a will they, won't they between me and Allie. People are like just wondering... <laughs> 
if we're gonna get They've together been shipping us hard you know? <laughs> yeah i don't read any of the shipping fan fiction yeah, it's, it's, it's too it's, it's too dirty yeah. it's too way too dirty for the show <laughs> let's do a dramatic reading <laughs> <laughs> if you have any fan fiction please share it with please. us and we will read it on the air for sure oh. <laughs> well that was delightful we love for from sure you. we're gonna have okay. to read it for you. <laughs> yeah yeah true we'll have to, a little pre yeah verify yeah thank you clay it was that was thank awesome thank you so uh reminder to any listeners uh we love getting voicemails but you can also text our voicemail number which is in the description of the podcast and we'll share it with you again shortly uh, we have a text from Jack. Jack says, I'm about uh, a two months in listener or listening for two months, was bored at work. And uh, he says downloaded radio. I don't know. Maybe he's listening to the radio in general online uh, and then was bored of music and found podcast stumbled into you guys. And I must say that I first thought Allie was Jen and vice versa <gasps> because of we their voices until I Googled them to find out who was whom, meaning Allie's voice goes with Jen's face. And reverse. Oh. Do you guys get that a lot? Smiley face emoji. We've certainly we do gotten get that, that a lot, which is before. so weird to me. <laughs> when we first like started this voice, podcast, this we got that. This high-pitched voice goes with Jen's body? <laughs> is it because I'm taller? Like but I'm they higher? can't see your body. Yeah. But they don't. all they see but is, they a, is your face. But is high-pitched. Blonde. And the sultry voice. Is... I'll take it. Jen has a better sounding voice than I do. I don't think that's true at all, but it, it is interesting. You have a voice for radio, kid. <laughs> <laughs> a few people. I wouldn't say it's been a, a lot, but I would say at least five to 10 people have said that since we've started. They've confused us, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. No one is seeing your full like visage, like full height, body, persona. It's only face. And so no one knows from your face how like right. tall or short or whatever you are. You know yeah. what I mean? So I don't know. I, I get it. But we, know, you can tell we, from we, Jen's we can't face see it. that she's tall. You can tell in her face. All right, all right. <laughs> you can see it. I don't know about that. Here's the real there's a, question. There's a face confidence that lies height. Well, oh. Here's the real question. If you all don't know what Matt Silverman looks like, what do you think Matt looks like? That's what I would love to know from all of you. <laughs> Tweet us. I'm, at I'm not in the art. I'm a June bugger. <laughs> um, what does Matt look like? I really want to know what you all I don't know. I don't remember. Just pe people tweeting you pictures of minions. <laughs> Just, hey, is this it? Yeah. Tweet us what you think he looks like yeah. based on the sound of his voice. <laughs> so in addition to tweeting us, there are other ways you can be in touch, which we will tell you right now. Uh, you can email us at 2G1podcast okay. at gmail.com. That's right. You can email us. You can call us, leave us a text message. Um, if you actually call, leave us a voicemail. We love those. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And join our Discord server where you can join a conversation about various episodes that we have. Also suggest show topics and guests. That's discord.gg slash 2G1P. Last but not least, Ali, if they would like to contribute to Two Girls One Podcast, how do they? Please visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. There are various perks that you can select. Um, ooh, just remember to be able to a video to someone. Uh, you can also get tweet shout outs. So please go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. Bye. Two Girls One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. 
then classified as a grade 5 basal ganglion hemorrhagic Ponzi schemex subarachnoid hemorrhage, I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. This is a television that you literally cannot turn down.